Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. It is time for a preview of Wimbledon 2023. The third major of the year is here. Some would argue the most prestigious one and generally the most unpredictable one. That's how it's been the last several years other than the champion. Novak Djokovic has won four in a row now. Uh, but, you know, that's because of a multitude of reasons. One, uh, the matches are closer, the margins are slimmer, and when there are less breaks of serve and it comes down to just a couple of points, you get some more randomness in there. That's just a, a nature of probability and mathematics. Uh, also, some of the usual contenders, the younger players especially, have struggled on the surface. Many of them have games uh, that have some some major flaws on the surface, maybe has to do with some large-scale developmental trends that have gotten away from what works on grass. I think so. Maybe someone will ask me that in a, in a mailbag someday. Uh, we'll see. And then the last thing is there are some, uh, some injury storylines coming into this event. Some guys who were, were top contenders last year, like Kyrgios and Berrettini and FAA, and all of them are coming in without a lot of wind at their sails, it's fair to say, and some major concerns about their health. If you're new around here, I'm going to go quarter by quarter. I'm going to give you an upset alert. That is a seated player who I think might lose early. I'm also going to give you a dark horse. That's an unseated player who I think might go deep. I will then give you an early popcorn match. That is a first round match that I'll certainly be watching. And I recommend you watch it too. And then I'll give quarterfinal predictions and final weekend predictions. So let us begin. Carlos Alcaraz is the top seed. And with him, as far as seeded players are concerned, is Holger Runa, Francis Tiafo, Alex Dimonor, Grigor Dimitrov, Nicholas Jari, and Alejandro Davidovich Fikina. And before I reveal my Dark Horse Upseller, Early Popcorn, etc., let me just say that this quarter is stacked. And one of the ways that I can kind of quantify that is I can look at my power rankings. And four out of the top 10, my revised top 10, because I made a mistake not putting Alexander Zverev at number 10. He should have been there, not Tsitsipas. I'll make a YouTube short about it. Four out of the 10 are in this quarter. If you expand it to the 16 players who I 
felt was worth at least mentioning in the power rankings. Uh, well, then you can add two more because Dimitrov and Alex Dimonor uh, were both players who were worth considering and mentioning. So that is six out of the top, maybe 15 contenders power ranked for Wimbledon. Man, four out of 10, six out of 16. Also, not to mention three out of the top five in Alcaraz, Tiafo, and Runa. So this is the best quarter. There's no doubt about it. And I'll talk more about how I see that uh, having a consequence on what happens in a moment. But first, I'll give you my dark horse. It's the winner of Lorenzo Sinego and Matteo Berrettini. Uh, Berrettini is someone who I think deserves a ton of respect for what he's accomplished on grass in the last three years. Uh, from 2019 to 2022, his record on this surface was 31-3. and And two of those losses were to Federer and then Djokovic in the 2021 Wimbledon final. Now, obviously, you contrast that excellent grass court history with the recent form coming in, which is almost nothing. He missed all of clay court season with an injury. He tried to come back in Stuttgart. He lost badly to, yes, Lorenzo Sinego. So this will be a rematch of, of that. Um, but interestingly enough, if you recall last year on grass, he was in a similar situation. He was coming back from an injury. And he just won back-to-back -back titles. He missed the entire clay court season. And then he came back and he won Stuttgart and he won Queens. Just throwing it out there that, you know, there's a history of Mateo just coming back from injury and tearing it up. He deserves a dark horse for all of the above. Uh, Lorenzo Sinego, on the other hand, uh, you know, doesn't slap you in the face when it comes to what he's accomplished on this surface. Uh, although... He does have a title a couple years back on the grass in Antalya, and more recently he has a runner-up on the grass. Uh, I think that might have come in Eastbourne. Regardless, he's got really good attacking tools that I really like. Uh, I like his forehand. I like his serve. I really like his volleys. He doesn't pass up opportunities to come forward. And he also has had some, some good Wimbledons. In fact, the last two years, he's been seated at Wimbledon. And in both cases, he has at least held his seed, lost to Federer two years ago, lost to Nadal last year. Uh, and he's also had some good runs this season in 2023 that I think he should feel good about, that he should feel confident about. Had a good run in Miami, had a good run at Roland Garros, beat Andre Rublev. There's a lot to like about Lorenzo Sinego. Couple of players who I did consider here for a dark horse, Dominic Stricker, Hugo Umber, Arthur Rinderknecht. But for various reasons, uh, I do believe that the winner of Sinego or Berrettini, whoever it would be, would be a little bit more dangerous than those players. Upset alert is Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. And I got to say, I told you how much I like this quarter. I'm, I'm not all that passionate about Davidovich Fakina potentially getting upset here. But by process of elimination... I like so many of these seeds. I'm so confident in so many of these seeds that Davidovich Fakina is the only guy who, uh, you know, I'm not so sure about. His serve in particular, big disadvantage on the grass. It's it just the fact that he doesn't, he, he's not able to really serve big and get free points 
and therefore he doesn't you know get the advantage that grass court can can offer other players uh particularly the larger servers uh, that hurts him on this surface no doubt Popcorn match, Berrettini-Sanego. I mentioned they played in Stuttgart. It was 6-1, 6-2, Sanego. Hopefully we get a little bit closer this time around. Hopefully we get a Matteo Berrettini who is feeling more confident in his physical state. Otherwise, it won't be much popcorn. But uh, with the, the mystery surrounding Berrettini and the fact that I think that Sanego could make some noise I, and, and just what happened last time. Uh, this is a match that I will be watching. I will not be missing this match. And it is my early popcorn match. Now, quarterfinal predictions. I have Carlos Alcaraz defeating Francis Tiafo. I mentioned that this quarter is stacked. I don't think Alcaraz got a good draw here. So I just had to do some thinking. What does that mean when a top player, and you know, I, I would say that Alcaraz is one of two players who coming into Wimbledon, I feel like is at an elite level. It's just him and Djokovic. Now, I think Djokovic is in a separate category above Alcaraz. If I were to do tiers, Djokovic gets a tier of his own, Alcaraz gets a tier of his own, and then we can go from there. Um, but nonetheless, I think Alcaraz is playing at an elite level. And I think whenever there's an elite player, regardless of surface, regardless of situation, you have to kind of ask yourself, okay, what is the implication of a bad draw? And to me, the implication is if you have an off day, if you have a bad match, then you are going to lose. That's what a bad draw is. A good draw, a favorable draw is... I think, you know, you can bring your C game. You'll probably still win. That's a good draw. But this is a bad draw. Uh, I just will say that Alcaraz has been avoiding those bad matches, those off matches in 2023, a lot better than he did in 2022. I think, uh, you know, last year they would pop up. They would pop up, I don't want to say regularly, but certainly occasionally. You know, every several tournaments, Alcaraz would have a clunker where he was he was bad. And that really hasn't happened this year. And uh, I even think the loss to Fabian Marojan, which is on paper, his only like, whoa, yikes, what the heck kind of loss all year. Um, even that match, I don't think he played that badly. Um, so that said, even though the draw is bad, I don't think he should be losing any of these matches as long as he brings his level. Uh, the path I have for him is Shardy, Rinderknecht, Jari, Zverev, Tiafo. And again, I think a lot of those are interesting. From Rinderknecht to Tiafo, I don't think he could play a bad match or he'll lose. Uh, but I, I still have him through because I do think all of those head-to-heads are in his hands. Now let's talk about Tiafo, who I do have going through to the quarterfinal. Uh, this is my favorite surface for Francis. His aggressive intentions on the return of serve that he loves to take early, uh, the effectiveness of his backhand on this slick, low-bouncing grass. He's always moved well on grass, and uh, he's great at getting to the net. And I think he's one of the best volleyers on tour. 
What was missing for Tiafo in years past at Wimbledon? He suffered some heartbreakers, but the difference for, for Tiafo now, uh, coming into Wimbledon 2023, uh, I think he is by far the most fit he's ever been, and he has been for the last year or so, and I think he is the most focused. He is very good at avoiding the dips that he would have, especially emotionally, the ups and downs that he would suffer in matches. He's much more consistent. So ultimately, it was, okay, Tiafo or Runa, both of them top five in my power rankings. Here's the thing. I'm a lot more sure of what we're going to get with Tiafo. Runa is still kind of a mystery to me. He's still kind of a, a shoulder shrug. So uh, that's why I go Tiafo. But Alcaraz defeats Tiafo in that quarterfinal. And with that, let's go on to the next quarter. Daniil Medvedev's quarter. Top seeds are Medvedev, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Cameron Nori, Tommy Paul, Francisco Serendolo, Sebastian Corda, and Talon Griegspor. My dark horses are Adrian Manorino and Andy Murray. Manorino has had as impressive a grass court season, if you can even call it a season, as it gets. He beat Medvedev in Hertogenbosch. He beat Fritz in Queens. And now he's in the Mallorca final. And in, you know, in, in the last couple of years, he's been a, a nightmare in the first week of Wimbledon. He's been so good on grass. This is nothing new. Uh, ever since there's been more offense to his game, I think that's helped him on this surface. And that's why he's playing some of the best tennis of his life. And he's like 35. Uh, first round opponent for Manorino would be Alexander Shevchenko. I'm not sure uh, how comfortable Shevchenko would be on the grass. But second round would be Daniil Medvedev, who I mentioned that he beat in Hertogenbosch. And I just want to say that I think that Manorino does such a great job against Medvedev of using those extreme angles from the very start of the rally, from the serve to the plus one, um, those short angles to take advantage of Medvedev's deep court positions. It's just one of the things he does well. Uh, one of the ways he makes things awkward for Medvedev. And I think if Adrian isn't tired, which I think eventually he'll wear down, and that's why I'm not confident that he can go all that deep in Wimbledon with all the tennis that he's played um, and the physical style that, that he has to play. But I think if he's fresh for the Medvedev match in the second round, he can win. He can beat Medvedev again, in my opinion. Andy Murray is my other dark horse. Two challenger titles for Murray at the start of this grass court season. Nottingham, Serbiton. I don't think that makes him a contender to win Wimbledon. You know, even, even though Andy Murray is a special case, when have we ever said, this guy won two challengers, now they can win Wimbledon? Like, that math equation doesn't work. And I don't think it works for Murray either. But it does make me pretty confident that on grass, a surface that suits him, a surface that provides him a little bit extra zip, and damage in the ground game. Rewards the flat backhand. His slice is great. One of the best slice. Uh, one of the best slices on tour. Flat backhand. Redirects. Oh so well. Which is so important. Um, and. You know. He, he knows how to handle Wimbledon of course. Two time champion here. Um, I, I think he's a contender to make the second week. He still hasn't shown me that he can beat top players in best of five. Um, but I think he can make it the second week. And he's in a section of the draw that definitely 
uh, provides some opportunity. And with that, I will tell you about my upset alert, Stefanos Tsitsipas. Um, I just want to make sure. I didn't forget to talk about... Oh, no, no. I didn't forget to talk about... Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Just stuff scrambled in my brain. Stefanos Tsitsipas, upset alert. Boy, all of his first couple matches, all of his first three matches are intriguing. And I'd be a little bit surprised if he lost our early popcorn match, which I'll talk about right now just to get it out of the way because it makes sense to talk about it now. Uh, Tsitsipas team first round, early popcorn. Look, team hates grass just as much as anybody. And the last time Dominic team won a match on grass, ready for this? 2018 against Mikhail Yuzhny. But at the same time, given Steph's recent vulnerability, I'm going to go out of my way to watch this one and see if team can have a, a big moment here. And it would be a huge moment. Maybe Dominic could draw a little bit of confidence out of their match in Madrid when team took Tsitsipas to a third set tie break. Uh, we were all kind of hoping that team would build off of that and create some results off of the back of that. That unfortunately hasn't happened. So despite this being a, a high billing first round for Tsitsipas, I think actually, if you look at the tennis part of it, uh, it's a it's a pretty good draw for Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, that said... First match at Wimbledon with the slick grass, I, I'm not all that comfortable uh, for, for Stefanos. But it's the second round where he'll take on Murray, who I obviously have a great deal of respect for what he can pull off early in majors, even right now. Recall what he did at the Australian Open in the first couple rounds, beating Matteo Berrettini and beating Tanasi Kokonakis. Like, this is where you don't want to play him. And I think he can kind of outcompete Tsitsipas in a lot of facets of the mental game. Pick on the backhand with the redirection skills and the precision. So, you know, Murray's a challenge. But then if we go to the third round for Tsitsipas, now you have a, an even different challenge and a new challenge, which is the big servers. Likely the third round would be a, uh, Ben Shelton, who's a lefty, makes it that much easier for him to get into Tsitsipas' backhand return. And then you have Maxime Cressy, who challenges the return in a lot of unique ways, obviously coming in behind his serve. The return of serve has been a real challenge for Tsitsipas on the grass. And that, my friends, is why he's on upset alert. Let's get to the quarterfinal predictions. In this quarterfinal, I have Sebastian Korda defeating Talon Griegspor. I believe this quarter breaks down. And despite Medvedev and Tsitsipas and Nori and Paul and Sarundalo being the high seeds in this quarter, I think stuff gets a little wild here. I do. Um, let's start with Korda. The sample size is small in 2023. But when I've seen Korda at his best, when I've seen him healthy, his level has been through the roof. That's January, that's Adelaide, that's the Australian Open, and that's Queens. And it's only three tournaments. And look, I, I don't like that it's three tournaments, but I really love what I've seen, and I think the grass is great for him, uh, especially because of how much his backhand penetrates. You just have nowhere to hide against Korda's offensive baseline game. Such a clean striker of the tennis ball. It's quite flat. He's going to get that skid effect 
through the court. He has bulked up his serve, which was a necessity. Remember when he played Hatchinov at Wimbledon a couple years back and there were like nine breaks of serve in the fifth set? We're not going to see that anymore for Korda. The serve is now good enough that we're not going to see that. And he's got a great draw. He's got a really good draw. Um, other than Yuri Vesely in the first round. I have to say, if he loses in the first round, I would not be shocked. And sometimes this is how it is. This was, you know, for example, kind of how it was at, at Roland Garros. Like, as soon as it was Vilch, who was a qualifier, I didn't know when I made the preview. It was like, okay, yeah, I still think that Medvedev's going to make the final, but ah, that's a terrible first round. Uh, this is the same thing. I think he's going to make the semis. Yeah. But if he loses in the first round, I'm not shocked. You don't want to play Yuri Vesely in the first round at Wimbledon. Um, other than Vesely, however, Cam Norrie is his closest seed. Um, Chris, Chris Eubanks is there. He's had some good results. Christopher O'Connell is there uh, unseeded. He's had some good results on grass. Um, but ultimately, it's this unpredictable Tsitsipas, Shelton, uh, Cressy, Andy Murray kind of section that's under him. So I, I don't know who's the best player that quarter needs to beat to make the quarters. Is it Nori? Is it Pass? Is it Murray? I mean, I don't know. You, you get the picture that I'm painting here. He's in a really good section. And that's why I have him getting to the quarters. Now let's talk about Talon Griegspor. Um, such a complete game. Such a complete game. I don't know what Talon Griegspor is bad at. I really don't. I mean, I don't think he's the most explosive, fast, you know, twitchy athlete. Maybe he doesn't cover the court all that well, but but hey, on grass, it's not as big a deal because he can he can stay on top of points. He can play offense. Uh, he's got a really good slice. He's a little bit underpowered, I'll say, on in, in heavy conditions like on clay. But on grass, he finds plenty of damage with his serve and his forehand, and he backs it up with great net rushing. And he's going to be in a ton which I love. And he's having a really nice year. Two titles, one Hertagenbosch. That's, of course, on grass. And uh, I think that we'll see if somebody takes out Medvedev before him. But if he has to play Medvedev, he is someone who is going to get in on him. And I think that's a necessity against Medvedev on grass. We saw Hercotch do it to, to Daniil a couple years back, beating him at Wimbledon. And Griegspor will do that. Now, I want, to, I want to address Medvedev before we move on to the next quarter. There is a world for me. I, I've actually talked highly of Medvedev on grass. I have. There's a world for me where he makes just a couple of successful small adjustments and becomes a force to be reckoned with on grass. Uh, taking more offensive initiative and fixing his problematic return position. But right now, he is a player who's a little bit too passive, has a problematic return position, and he's on a relative cold streak in best of five. Those three factors together, a couple of players I like in his section, I'm taking the upset. Kasparud's quarter. Let's do it. He's the number four seed. He's got Yannick Sinner, Taylor Fritz, Borna Chorich, Roberto Bautista Agut, Yoshihito Nishioka, Denis Shapovalov. Before I get into it, whenever there's a stacked quarter, there is an unstacked quarter, unless the other three are like kind of 
balanced in a somewhat underwhelming way. Uh, but in this case, no. I, I think if you're gonna say, if you're gonna say, if that quarter's so good, then which quarter suffered? This quarter suffered. This and again, let's go back to the power rankings. How many in the top ten in this quarter? In Casper Ruud's quarter, one, one in the top ten, just center. How many in the top? I, I think it's sixteen. Uh, three. I mean, yeah, it, it's weak. The seeds are weak in this quarter. Uh, however, the unseeded players are somewhat weak in this quarter as well. My dark horses are Oscar Atta and Gregoire Barrere. Not exactly, um, not exactly players who I have like loads of faith in. Uh, but Atta is a really tricky player on grass. Had a great grass court season last year. Made a couple of semifinals. Got to a career high ranking 36 in the world. I was pumped for him. Then he got injured. And he really hasn't gotten his career back on track since getting injured. But he qualified here. And, you know, he's uh, very worthy of a dark horse because of that. Uh, super unpredictable player directionally. Tough to read his ground strokes. Very flat. Very quirky. He'll throw in a lot of drop shots. And he serves really big. And it's hard to read his serve. So lots to like for uh, Atta on grass. As for Gregoire Barrere, really talented, aggressive ground stroker who takes the ball really early, hits it very flat, plays to aggressive targets. His backhand in particular is uh, unbelievably deadly. And he would be my choice to come out of what is a vulnerable section made up of Kasparud and Denis Shapovalov. You have Gregoire Barrera in there, and I think he might be able to take advantage. With that said, uh, my upset alert, as you saw, is Taylor Fritz. And you might ask, like, why isn't it? Why isn't it Chapo? Why isn't it Rude or, or someone who you don't like as much? It's because I, I think those guys have great first round opponents. And while I do take second and third round into account when it comes to upset alert, uh, I have a particular emphasis on the first round, especially at Wimbledon, because the first round is the toughest when the grass is slick. And, you know, I think you get a little bit more comfortable after that first round match. Uh, Taylor Fritz just has the toughest first round opponent, Yannick Hoffman. Hoffman crushed him earlier this year. I think it was Madrid, uh, if, if memory serves. And Hoffman has been playing really good ball. He made the semifinal in, was it, it was either Mallorca or Eastbourne this week. So Hoffman has been really good. That's why Fritz is upset alert. And early popcorn, I got nothing. I got nothing. Just couldn't, couldn't find one, unfortunately. I don't love this quarter. I, I am intrigued by it though. And I will tell you that deciding my prediction for this quarter, I took, I spent way too long. I totally agonized over it. I mean, it was, it was bad. Um, originally I had Borna Chorich, <laughs> which I did not expect before the draw was made. And before I tell you who else I considered, let me just show you who I actually went with. I went with Yannick Sinner defeating Roberto Bautista Agut. I also considered Taylor Fritz, and I considered pushing RBA ahead to the semis. I even think that Kasparud has like just a miracle draw here. 
if if there's going to be a draw that propels Rude to actually shocking everybody and having a huge Wimbledon run, this is the draw. And this is like the best major for, for Chapo as well here at Wimbledon. So there was a lot of factors to consider. Let me kind of take you through my, th- you know, through my head though. Ultimately, I was kind of uh, back and forth between Sinner and Fritz. Uh, and it's tough because neither is in good form. Neither has had a good tournament since Monte Carlo. And mentally, I think both are in a questionable headspace when it comes to nerve management. Uh, they've had some struggles recently. Uh, Sinner, I think there's uh, Sinners and Fritz are both putting tons of pressure on themselves, and I don't think that's helped them play well. Uh, they play similar styles. The head-to-head is 1-1. They had an absolutely nail-biting match at Indian Wells. It's just hard to get a read on, like, who do you pick here? Uh, Sinner moves better, but Fritz serves way bigger. It's tough. Ultimately, uh, went Yannick because... Other than the other than like the last six weeks where I think both of them have been unimpressive, Yannick, if you would have asked me like beginning of the year or in March, like who will win Sinner versus Fritz Wimbledon, I, I would say Sinner. So I'm gonna go with like the big picture take here that Yannick just has a little bit of extra um, it factor, uh, more dynamic. A little bit more dynamic, uh, quicker stroke production, better from low contact points, uh, better movement, a little bit more agile on the return of serve, stuff like that. I'm going to go with Sinner. It was tough for me, though. Can you tell? Bautista Goot, I went with. You know, I was between like, oh, you know, Chorich is very physically and mentally tough in best of five, and, you know, he's got a good draw. Uh, maybe, maybe he comes through, but... There's just not enough for Chorich. Recent form isn't good. Grass history really isn't good, except that one run in hollow where he beat Federer. Uh, you look at Chapo, you look at Rude. At the end of the day, I can talk myself into either of them, but I can also talk myself out of either of them. Bautista Agut is the guy. He slaps me in the face here. He's been great at Wimbledon throughout me uh, throughout his career. 19-7 and seven record lifetime. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure I picked him to do very well last year, if my memory serves. And he got COVID. He got COVID. Before last year, he's passed the third round, four out of his last five Wimbledons, a quarterfinalist in 2021, flat ball striker. Uh, in, in heavy conditions, he can struggle for offense. On grass, it's not a problem. His forehand uh, creates a lot of damage. He can find his finishes. And... It penetrates, and he moves really well on the surface. He's got great great footwork for grass. Here's my, my only concern with RBA is that he'll get worn down because at the end of the day, he's 35 years old. He doesn't get cheap points on his serve. He hasn't really proven it as of late in best of five, hasn't reached a major quarterfinal uh, since he did it twice in 2019. So that's why RBA gets to the quarters. But even though I'm like really kind of iffy because I'm not that high on center. I'm not that high on Fritz. I don't know who's going to really get through that, that top. Even though I'm iffy on that top eighth, I'm, I still think center RBA quarterfinal. Um, I feel like Yannick would, would have a lot more juice at that point. So, uh, center to the semis, really tough quarter to predict in my opinion, the number two seed, 
But the prohibitive favorite is Novak Djokovic. He's got Andre Rublev, Felix Auger-Aliassime, Lorenzo Musetti, Hubert Hurkacz, Alexander Bublik, Tomas Martin Echeverri, and Nick Kyrgios. This is a very exciting quarter. Uh, dark horse here is Mackie McDonald. Upset alert is Felix Auger-Aliassime. Early popcorn is Nick Kyrgios versus David Goffin. Look, Mackie McDonald has a ground game that is just tailor-made for grass. He takes the ball early. Uh, he redirects. There's like no net clearance. There's no topspin. The ball goes super fast. It stays super low. Uh, and he's just, he's such a pure ball striker. And I, I truly do think he, he really enjoys this surface. He's actually uh, gone on a great run uh, this week in Eastbourne. Um, I believe he's in the final. I'm not worried about the physical wear and tear of that. It's grass. It never really gets all that physical. Uh, Mackey's been good at Wimbledon recently uh, as well. Uh, I know that he's lost some just really tough, heartbreaking matches. But uh, to me, he's had some some good wins as of late on the grass. And he is uh, dark horse. I also considered Emil Rusevori. Obviously, he's in Novak Djokovic's section. So it feels like by definition, he is not as likely to make a run. Aslan Karatsev also. Somebody who... You know, I I, I, I want to like on grass. It makes a lot of sense that he'd play well on grass, but he just hasn't in his career. 5-12 and 12 career record. He's never won two matches at a grass tournament. Upset alert, Felix, not healthy. You know, he, he came back for, for clay, and it was rough when he did. And now he hasn't played any grass court lead-ins. He's kind of gone back to the sidelines just like Berrettini had to. You know, not an identical timeline, but a little bit similar. And, you know, for Felix, when he's out of form or he has an off day, it's really bad. You know, he doesn't break serve enough. The margins get really, really tight. And then he donates, whether it be with, you know, an errant forehand or a double fault. It, Felix is an upset-prone guy when he's not at his best. And that's why, unfortunately, he's on upset alert for me. Dark Horse, Nick Kyrgios versus David Goffin. I love this. I love this match. I'm, I'm really excited to watch this match. Nick is the reigning finalist, uh, but he hasn't won a match all year. Goffin actually made the quarters last year, but he hasn't had a, had a great run since that. And, you know, he needed a wild card just to get into the event, which kind of tells you how much he's struggled as of late. So, you know, this match has big names. It's got contrasting personalities. There's tons of talent on the court. And there is a whole lot of mystery for, you know, how particularly Nick Kyrgios is going to look. So I'm pumped for this one. This one's going to be great. And I do recommend that you watch. All right, quarterfinal for Novak Djokovic's quarter is... Rather simple. Novak Djokovic defeats Andrei Rublev. Uh, this is the only quarter where I believe the seeds will hold and we will get the the chalky uh, quarterfinal. I think that Rublev 
Now, I, I've talked about in the past, there's parts of his grass court game that I like. There's parts of it I don't like. Ultimately, I'm looking at his draw, and I'm hoping for Andre's sake that there are no big servers. And I'm also hoping for Andre's sake that there's no, you know, real crafty players who are either going to keep the ball really low, uh, whether it be with, you know, flat groundies or a lot of backhand slice. And, you know, just looking at the draw, I do think that he is likely to avoid those players. Now, uh, he could face a very out of form and likely, you know, worn down Nick Kyrgios in the third round. Uh, so, so that's a possibility. But I, I just don't have faith that Kyrgios is going to be uh, fit enough to pose a threat to Andre Rublev. And then there's the Alexander Bublik question. And many were wondering why I didn't mention Bublik in my power rankings video. And, and let me say, similar to Zverev, I, I think I made a mistake. I should have mentioned him. But I do not believe that he should be in my top 10, and I do not trust him at Wimbledon. Uh, I don't trust that his level of serving is going to uh, maintain at the output that we saw in Hala, and I also don't believe that he will be able to maintain the same level of focus that we saw in Hala. And the reason I don't believe that is because we just haven't seen it for an extended period of time. We've only seen it for one week. So will Alexander Bublik make a fourth round match against Andre Rublev? I'll actually say if he does, then I'll pick him to beat Andre Rublev. But I don't believe he will make it that far. Um, I think he might get picked off in the first round by a Mackie McDonald, potentially the second round by a J.J. Wolf. Um, you know, then then you actually have some favorability potentially in the third round. Uh, if Felix were to get there, that means that he would be playing pretty well. Uh, Krajinovic, Bornegoyo, big server. Max uh, Martyrer is good on grass as well. He came through qualifying. So uh, that's my take on that. Uh, but let's not get bogged down. And let's talk about Novak Djokovic. He's got a pretty good draw. You know, there were a couple of low seeds that I think any top player, I'm not just saying Djokovic, a couple of uh, lower seeds that I think you wanted to avoid here. Uh, Sebastian Korda, one of them, Talon Griegspor, one of them, Alexander Zverev, Nicholas Jari. Uh, the one guy who is high in the power rankings that Novak Djokovic will likely have to come through is Hubert Hurkacz. But if you make enough returns against Hurkacz, you're good. Like, you're good. And I think Djokovic will make enough returns. And it's often simple as that. I mean, we, we've seen it over the years when Novak has played guys like Berrettini at Wimbledon. Uh, if you are relying on your serve to get you through a match against Djokovic, you are in deep, deep trouble. So Novak comes through. Oh, and then, you know, Rublev in the quarterfinal. Novak has dominated that head-to-head. -head. Uh, unfortunately for Rublev, it would be another example of a quarterfinal that he probably wouldn't have a great chance of winning at a major, and there have been many of those. Final weekend reveal. Let's do it. Ready? Three, two, one. Alcaraz defeats Korda in four. Djokovic defeats Sinner in three. And Djokovic defeats Alcaraz in four. Alcaraz over Korda would be a rematch of Queens, where Alcaraz just showed that he can make Korda quite un uncomfortable with uh, his variety, with his pace, with his ability to scramble and make extra balls. Uh, you know, I 
I, I think he's a, a level above Sebastian Korda. Uh, Djokovic and Sinner, obviously they went five at Wimbledon last year. Uh, maybe I've raised some eyebrows by making it three here, but at the end of the day, I'm very confident uh, that Djokovic would, would win that match. I'm uncertain that Sinner... Uh, can get there. It's my least confident pick of the four quarterfinal. Uh, sorry, of the four semifinals, and I, I think for for Sinner to make up the gap, uh, he needs to, you know, improve his big match performance and his nerve management, uh, improve the backhand slice, improve the volleys, improve the serving. Uh, there's a long way to go for me, and that's why I, I have that as three sets. And in the final, Djokovic over Alcaraz in four, uh, I would say in comparison to Roland Garros, I think two things will be true. I think that the first thing is that Carlos Alcaraz will handle his nerves much better. You know, he's been through it once. Experience always helps. He will have strategies. He will be prepared to handle the situation better. And I don't think we would see a repeat of what we saw at Roland Garros. But the second thing that would be true is that Novak Djokovic would have a much better opportunity to use his technical advantages against Carlos Alcaraz. He is the better server. He is the better returner. He has the much more solid, I think, backhand wing. And those two things will be a way bigger deal on grass than they would be on clay. Um, I can get into more, but... All, all I have to say is the conditions really swing in Djokovic's favor uh, on a grass court. And that's why, uh, despite my feelings about Alcaraz handling the moment better, I do believe Djokovic would win in four sets. I also want to say that as Novak goes for the Grand Slam, I think it's another example of experience pays. He did this in 2021. I think that is valuable experience. And I think that Novak will be more relaxed this time around, not as tight as he was uh, over the course of Wimbledon 2021. Perhaps a weight lifted off of his shoulders now that he is ahead of Federer Nadal and Nadal in the slam race. And I ultimately believe that Novak Djokovic's biggest threat is injury. I have noticed that it has not been smooth sailing in 2023. Uh, as far as Djokovic's body is concerned and his saving grace is that he's been able to get things good enough to win the two majors at the end of the day. Uh, but that would be my my number one concern, which is uh, a pretty good sign, I'd say. A pretty good sign when, when you are going for your fifth straight Wimbledon title if your biggest obstacle is a potential injury. It just speaks to how Djokovic is technically superior and mentally superior. Uh, by the way, note the experience edge once again. If my predictions were to come true, which obviously it would be a miracle if they all did, but it would be Korda, Sinner, Alcaraz. Look at the experience edge for Djokovic in that case. Uh, so that is all I got. Uh, really looking forward to bringing you coverage throughout Wimbledon, including a special opportunity to watch matches live for U.S. viewers with myself and Bradley Klon. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Gil underscore gross for details on that. Uh, I will also post details in the YouTube community tab. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll see you next time. 
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wall and drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wall and wherever you get your podcasts.